Welcome to this podcast from Neurogastroenterology and Motility. It publishes original research and topical reviews on basic and clinical aspects of gastrointestinal sensation and motility, as well as brain-gut interaction. So welcome everyone to this month's podcast from Neurogastroenterology and Motility. My name is Adam Farmer and I'm a gastroenterologist at the Wingate Institute in London. This month it's my great pleasure to welcome Dr Simon Gibbons. Simon is an Associate Professor of Medicine at the Mayo Clinic. He undertook his PhD in Neuropharmacology at the University of Southampton and his main interests are in the maintenance and fate of cells within the gastrointestinal tract in healthy ageing and disease with a particular focus on diabetic gastroenteropathy. So Simon, many thanks for joining us on the podcast this month and congratulations to you and your co-authors on your paper entitled Tumor Necrosis Factor Alpha Derived from Classically Activated M1 Macrophages Reduces Interstitial Cells of Gahal Numbers. So Simon, if I could start with the first question, uh, what is the role of ICCs in uh, determining motility within the GI tract? Um, thank you, Adam. Um, and first, uh, I should say that my colleague Seth Eisenman, the first author, Gianrico Ferrugia, the senior author, and I want to say how pleased we are that you're highlighting this paper uh, for this month's podcast. To get to the question, well, interstitial cells of Cajal, or ICC, are fundamental to normal gastrointestinal motility and play several functions. They generate the electrical pacemaker potential known as the slow wave, can act as amplifiers of neuromuscular signaling, regulate smooth muscle membrane potential, and appear to be mechanosensors. Several gastrointestinal motility disorders have been associated with changes to ICC distribution and function. So what's the current knowledge regarding the role of ICCs in the pathophysiology of gastroparesis? I'd say gastroparesis is probably the gastrointestinal motility disorder for which there is the clearest evidence of a direct connection between ICC and the pathology. Over the years, researchers have determined that loss of ICC is observed in animal models of diabetic gastroparesis. And we and others, starting with Tamash Ordog's work, previously reported that loss of ICC specifically associates with the symptom of delayed gastric emptying in diabetic mice. And similarly, the NIH Gastroparesis Clinical Research Consortium, of which we're a part, has found in studies on biopsies from patients that the symptom of delayed gastric emptying closely associates with loss of ICC, but not with changes to many of the other cell types in the gastric muscularis externa. And additional work has found that this loss of ICC appears to be dependent on whether the predominant macrophage populations in the muscularis externa are M1-like or M2-like. So just for our fellows and trainees that are listening, um, what's the difference between M1 and M2 macrophages? Now, that is a good question, and, and, and it's one these days for which the answer isn't that simple. Um, we now understand that there's a broad spectrum of possible phenotypes for macrophages and other cells of the myeloid lineage. But on the simplest level, the M1 or M1-like cells are your traditional cell-clearing phagocytic pro-inflammatory macrophages of the type classically associated with innate immune responses. But under other circumstances, monocytes and resident macrophages can be polarized towards other cytoprotective activation states. And these M2-like cells release anti-inflammatory cytokines, uh, such as interleukin-10, and they generate cytoprotective molecules such as carbon monoxide. 
So our previous studies found that in patients with diabetic gastroparesis and in diabetic mice with delayed gastric emptying, low numbers of M2-like macrophages associate with loss of ICC and delayed gastric emptying. And in the work of Gianluca Cipriani in our lab, we also found that macrophages, likely M1-like, are required for the development of delayed gastric emptying. So we believe that the balance between M1-like and M2-like macrophages in the gastric muscularis externa determines the impact of diseases like diabetes on the cells in the stomach, such as the ICC, and whether gastroparesis develops. So what were the objectives of your study that you've reported in the journal? So this study was directed at identifying some of the molecular mechanisms by which macrophages might cause loss of ICC in diabetes. And in this part, we specifically characterised the factors secreted by M1 macrophages. What methods did you use in your study? Um, we developed a few years ago a, a robust primary culture system for gastric ICC, and we, we took advantage of that for this study. Um, this allowed us to screen the effects of multiple factors on survival of ICC in vitro. Uh, the cultures were exposed to media, which was conditioned by incubation with macrophages polarized towards either an M1 or an M2 phenotype. So what were your key results? What we found was that the M1 macrophage conditioned medium significantly reduced ICC numbers in culture following a short exposure, whereas M2 conditioned media had no significant effects. And indeed, a combination of M1 and M2 medium appeared to protect the cells. We then set out to characterize the active constituents of the M1 medium and found a number of potentially pro-inflammatory cytokines, one of the most prominent of which was tumor necrosis factor alpha, or TNF-alpha. And due to its known role in cell de death and injury, we pursued this further and found that low concentrations of TNF-alpha were sufficient to mimic the effect of M1-conditioned media, and that blocking TNF-alpha signaling with a neutralizing antibody prevented the effect of M1-conditioned media on ICC. We also found that the mechanism for the effect of M1 medium and TNF-alpha appeared to be at least in part due to caspase-dependent apoptotic cell death, but primarily was a consequence of downregulation of the KIT receptor tyrosine kinase protein, which is a marker for functional ICC. So that's very interesting, but what do you think the limitations of your study? Well, the main limitation is in... Um, getting the factors from the appropriate type of macrophages. And in this case, we used bone marrow-derived macrophages, polarized in a defined way with specific factors. And it would be really nice to use media from gastric macrophages that had been polarized by exposure to diabetic conditions. But this does represent, obviously, an opportunity for few further studies, and uh, it requires a clearer understanding of the aspect of diabetes, which is responsible for polarizing macrophages in the gastric muscularis externa. So where do you think the knowledge gap in the field really lie at the moment and, and how do we go about uh, resolving these in the future? I think the main knowledge gaps are, are in the translation of the kind of in vitro studies that this paper describes and some of the preclinical studies such as those that we and others have done on diabetic mice. Um, and translating that to gastroparesis in patients 
one of the things is that there are clear species difference in the differences in the phenotypes of human and mouse macrophages. Uh, but historically, we've had very little opportunity to characterize the cellular constituents of healthy and diseased gastric muscularis externa from people. One of the things that's really moving forward are advances in endoscopy, which are making it possible to safely obtain full thickness biopsies from the stomach wall and techniques like next generation sequencing from single cells, which promise enormous improvements in our ability to phenotype the various cells within those biopsies. So it's a slightly loaded question, but uh, do you think anti-TNF agents may potentially represent a therapeutic option for treating diabetic uh, gastroparesis in the future? I, I think that anti-TNF agents obviously could be effective and safe in diabetic gastroparesis. Um, these drugs are used in clinical practice for inflammatory bowel disease. Um, we are pursuing uh, preclinical studies in mice to determine if that is the case. What will be important would be to start the therapy before the disease has progressed too far, before too much damage has been caused to the ICC networks and other cell types in the gastric muscularis externa. And, and that may be the challenge uh, to using a preventative treatment like this. An alternative or possibly complementary therapy would be to supply one of the cytoprotective factors that mediate the robust effect of M2-like macrophages in the tissue. And we're also pursuing that line of research. So, Simon, uh, with that, I'd like to uh, sincerely thank you and your co-authors for, for an excellent paper and assisting in this month's podcast and also to our listeners for tuning in. And I look forward to welcoming you again on another instalment to the podcast next month. Further information about this paper can be found on the journal website. We hope that you have enjoyed this podcast and we look forward to welcoming you to next month's edition.